0: Sabrina Johnson. Welcome to Listen Up, Listen In. Conversations with Uplifters, Igniters, Healers and Joymakers. In May 2020, 2022, I graduated from Claremont School of Theology with a Master of Divinity. And just as when I first started this graduate program in 2018, I had no idea what I was going to do with my degree. So I looked around me at people who I saw were ministering to the world in ways that uplifted me, ignited me with their passion for serving, inspired me to join in the healing, and gave me joy as I witnessed and experienced the bodacious love they lavished upon the world around them. I wanted to ask them about their path, their mission, their passion to serve and better the world. I imagined this would take place in the way of informational interviews, over cups of coffee or tea. But there were so many people I wanted to interview with so many questions and all but a few were local to where I live in Prescott, Arizona, having recently moved from Los Angeles a year ago. It was from this desire that listen up, listen in came to be. I believe we each have our own unique divinely given gifts and talents that we can share with others to uplift, ignite, heal, and give joy. And so the list is endless of guests that I want to interview. My hope is that as we all listen up to hear what they say, we also listen in to hear what our own heart tells us, guides us, moves us to do as we come together to realize the truth that we are all interdependent and interconnected by a higher good that loves us into being our best for ourselves and others. Thank you for joining me in this conversation as we listen up, listen in with open minds and open hearts. I met Dr. Carmen Smith, a beautiful, vivacious Black woman at Center for Spiritual Living Prescott last year when she gave a sermon and boldly announced her topic was racism. At first, this kind of freaked me out, but as I listened to Dr. Carmen speak, I knew she was someone who I wanted to get to know, so I was thrilled when she agreed to be a guest. I hope that you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. Welcome everyone to Listen Up, Listen In. I am so delighted that we have as our first guest, as my first guest, Dr. Carmen Smith. Dr. Carmen is a mental health therapist with a Master of Social Work degree and a Licensed Clinical Social Worker degree. She's also a metaphysical minister with a Doctor of Divinity degree. Dr. Carmen speaks at many events and venues, including Centers for Spiritual Living, Unity Churches, and other non-denominational churches. Ah, she shares her, the I Am Solution, which are simple practices to transform fear back to love. It's also the title of her book that you can purchase on Amazon. The I Am Solution is a step-by-step spiritual, psychological journey, which Dr. Carmen created out of her own trauma to triumph. By taking the I Am Solution steps, one can be led out of the darkness of addiction into the light of recovery. Dr. Carmen shares her work with passionate energy and compassionate encouragement so that people who hear her speak and read her book believe that they too can transform fear back to love. I am so very grateful that Dr. Carmen is my guest today, as she has been instrumental in helping me launch this podcast. And so, for that reason, among many other reasons, I'm not only thrilled that she is here today for this conversation, but also that she's my first guest to get this off to a most triumphant start. So, welcome,
1: Dr. Carmen. Well, thank you so much. It is just such an honor to be here. And I just love listening to you talk, (laughs) first of all. And uh, so thank you, Sabrina. Thank you. Well,
0: um, I went on your website when I first heard, after I first heard your first sermon at the Center for Spiritual Living Prescott. I think it was uh, around Father's Day, because you spoke about the Lion King. It was beautiful and And then I went on your website and I saw your video that really just encapsulated what you do with the I am solution, how you present it, why, um, in 20 minutes. And it was, it was wonderful. And I listened to it again a few times and then just this morning and I went, wow, one of your gifts of many gifts is not just that you have this passion for helping people, but you really have this, uh, way of just sharing yourself and and articulating and speaking to the heart you really i mean i think you even said at one time you wanted to go into acting and you have this wonderful Mm -hmm. presence with you that just makes the communication of your message so clear and vivid and really heart to heart um and i wanted to ask you about that like when you go and you start speaking and sharing this message which we'll get into just so that we can start as I, as I shared with you, I prepare by praying and meditating and kind of doing stuff. How do you start when you do things like this or any presentation? What is it? How do you
1: prepare? Wow. Thank you. That's a really great question. And um, I think it may surprise a lot of people. Um, when I first started, uh, speaking at churches, uh, it was a long progression. So, I don't know if I should start at the beginning, but um, so I've had when i look back on my life and i try to do that in the i am solution i look at all the experiences that i've had and i see how those experiences have led me to where i am now and so just uh, as an aside i'm very shy i'm a very shy person um some people would say an introvert and so i took public speaking classes like in elementary school i think it was like junior high school and i found that i liked Uh, getting up in front of an audience and I liked acting. So I like to get up in front of people and, and never had a problem with that. Um, But then I was a tour guide at Universal Studios uh, back in the 80s. So (laughs) One What I learned there was when the truck or the tram broke down or there was a problem with jaws, we had to sit on the lot and entertain about 50 people that were in the tram on the microphone and without a script. And so I just learned how to improv yeah. and just, uh, you know, stretch it out and entertain people so they didn't realize they were waiting for something. And so that was really great training. Um, Then when uh, I started working at the county, there were people that were retiring and I was the newbie. So everything that the retirees didn't want to do, they would give it to me. And at the time I was like, oh, okay, Uh, I'm going to be doing a training for parents that are um, their kids are in on probation and I'm supposed to be doing this training and it's supposed to encapsulate drugs and all of this other kind of stuff. And so um, I just took on those responsibilities and made them uniquely mine. So I had the the experience of creating something from scratch and then presenting it to a large audience that didn't want to be there. So So you
0: you learned early on, a captive audience, how to entertain. Yes,
1: yes. And uh, also, I I was asked to do a training for probation officers and correctional officers that also didn't want to be in the training. So I had to make it uniquely mine, entertaining, and I wanted them to get something out of it. So all of that was leading me to... um, when I had the opportunity to be the assistant pastor at um, which is a story unto itself at uh, University of Metaphysics Institute in Las Vegas with Dr. Paul Leon Masters. Um, And he had a curriculum every Wednesday night. He had the topic. He had an outline. He pretty much gave me material to speak through. And then I felt comfortable doing that because this is his church. It's his material. I agree with it. And then I found myself going off script. Wow. Wow. And one Wednesday night in particular, I was doing the, the teaching and, um, what came to in my mind was tell them that you were homeless. And I was like, no, I'm arguing with myself in my head. I'm like, no, these people think that I'm, you know, I'm this social worker and I've got everything together. Why am I telling them about my past? And this voice um, was very insistent. And so I found myself saying my experience about being homeless with my child and uh that whole story and how I came through it because of my belief system and so I did this whole other part that was not on script and then after the service you know people were coming up to me and saying you know that they really enjoyed it and this one woman came up to me and she said I didn't want to come in i've been living in my car and i didn't want to come in here but i saw people coming in and i came in and you spoke to me i didn't think anybody had had these experiences and she really that's when i knew (laughs) that's another example of when i knew that god wanted me to speak what he wants me to speak. And he tells me what to speak about. <laughs> wow.
0: Well, you, so
1: you really, you, it's
0: your experience. It's your experience. And it's also your, um, it's your experience. And it's also, I would say, you're being open hearted to spirit just saying, okay, spirit work through me. Yes.
1: And um, it didn't, it was not overnight. Like that particular incident, I was arguing in my head while I'm on stage, which was, um, you know, nobody wants that to happen. Right. So-, <laughs> so I had situations like that. And then I finally just let it go. I let go all of my um, expectations of what I'm going to talk about. I let go any type of outline. I don't use notes. What I do is I listen and then I speak and it took me a while to get to that place. So I'm not saying that this was overnight, but I got to a point where I don't argue. I don't prepare other than I will say to myself uh, maybe a week or two weeks before, depending on I would like. So what do you want me to talk about? Mm. What's going to be the topic, because usually the venue will say we need a topic for the program or we need the topic to advertise and so i i go within and i go okay i need a general topic because i don't know what you're going to want me to talk about (laughs) but i need something general so i can uh, let you fill in the pieces so i'll come up with a general topic i'll submit that to the venue And then if they want a film clip or something uh, visual, because I am a visual learner myself, um, then I will submit something as things begin to solidify Uh in my mind, nothing written. And um, so then I'll submit that to the venue. And then, uh, right before I go on, I'm usually by myself, uh-huh. which I enjoy my own company. Um, so I'm just <laughs> kind of, I'm not praying or anything. I'm just allowing, I guess oh, you could say, okay. being open. Yes. And, um, and then when I, I can be sitting in the audience and still asking God, uh, so, you know, whatever you want me, however you want me to start this. <laughs>
0: So you just you you really do listen in and tune in, and it's it's interesting that you said that because I um I am a note person and I had all these notes and then I realized no this isn't the kind of conversation this isn't um an outline conversation I really want to go with spirit so it's interesting that you said that because I usually am a person that has notes, and then I
1: i would also add that there's something else that i found myself doing which god knows who's in the audience yes Yes. knows everybody that's in the audience so when i first go up on stage i will look at everybody and i will take them all in because they have a they have a voice in what i'm saying Yes. just like that woman who came up to me and said she'd been living in her car I knew that that was divinely guided, that I would be speaking on that topic. And so whatever I'm saying, it has to do with whoever is there. Hmm. And not only whoever is there, but also whoever is there that has a connection with somebody that's not there. So,
0: yeah, so this leads me to my next thing that I really want. There's two well, things I wanted to talk about. So one thing is your in your I am solution, which is wonderful. It's really I would say about um, like you, you had yeah, just what, what you said, basically letting go of an, our agenda, which is very much uh, if if we're not many times, if we don't realize that we have this agenda that is putting us on this hamster wheel of fear because we don't really know that there's. At times we don't know that there's other alternatives or maybe some people just have never realized there's other alternatives mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. when i hear people say oh i just have to work hard and suffer or whatever it might be those belief systems and what you're doing is you're saying to really let that go and be present and when you're totally present you know like i always think about when i'm present and i think wow i have Oh, I have the ground to sit, to stand on or put my feet on. I have the air to breathe. I have a, ha- you know, a roof over my head. I mean, when you think of everything you have, you, all mm-hmm. those fears kind of dissipate because you're right in the moment you're present. It doesn't matter if you call it God or whatever you want to call it, you can call it presence, but you're in that you're in, when you're in that moment. That's and right. That's, that's right. What you really live. And I that's got right. that in your book. When you uh, you're like one of the few people that I could really relate to your story about a coworker who um, his wife was pregnant and you didn't know why, but you got this message because you were so in the presence of saying, I have to go to the bank and get what was it like a, a, a lot of money.
1: It was about $1,000.
0: $1,000. You said, I have to go get $1,000 and give it to this couple. And you didn't know why. And you didn't question it, which is like beautiful. I I have had to learn not to question it because how you were talking about, you were arguing with yourself about Mm -hmm. the homeless woman. I call it arguing with God, Mm -hmm. but God doesn't argue. He just says, okay, honey, or she says, okay, honey, or whatever. Um, So, for me, I've learned not to question it, but that has happened to me many times where I'll just be like, Oh, okay. Well, somebody's kid is in the hospital and I'll just go, okay, well, I don't know if that $250 will really help them, but it definitely says here, I love you. I care about you. This is what the world understands. And it's like, it's always interesting how, uh, it speaks to me, just the spirit, whatever you want to call it, just speaks to me. And then, like you said, like that family, they really needed that thousand. And you didn't know that on the human level, but you knew it on that level of being tapped into spirit and following it.
1: Yes. And that was back when I was a newbie. So there was some questioning about it. And, um, I was leaving work to do it. So it was like, you know, can I leave work? Do you want me to leave work? I'm kind of asking these questions because I wasn't quite sure. I knew it was God, but it, it was, it, it's, it's weird. You know, you're, you're not trained from a young age to really listen to things that don't make sense, (laughs) because it didn't make sense for me to leave work, to go to the bank, to go to the hospital, Mm -hmm. you know, all of those things. I wasn't invited to the hospital. And then on the way after I got the thousand dollars from the bank on the way to the hospital, the questioning about, well, what do you want me to do at the hospital? Because actually it was his son was um, very, very ill. And so I was like, well, do you want me to put my hands on, you know, I'm questioning, like, what is my role here? And so it's okay to do that. But once again, I was a newbie. Um, So I was questioning, you know, what is my role? And then I just gave them the money. They were all in this room, uh, uh, you know, like the waiting room. And, you know, I was, and that's when they told me that their son had just passed.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Okay. And so I'm handing them an envelope oh. for $1,000. And um, I give everybody a hug and everything. And then I get on the elevator. I go back to work and try to you know, get back into the groove of work. And that's when I got the phone call. He said, "We when we opened the envelope, we understood that now we could bury our son. Uh,
0: oh, my. That's like... Yeah. And you had no idea. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't, we don't know. We really don't. And it's like to listen to that and it's, it, yeah, I'm always like overcome by that because it's like, you know, and, and you don't, and people don't talk about these things, you know, it's kind of like mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm sure, you know, cause sometimes I think, well, you know, so God is telling me, you know, like the first time it happened was uh, a, a, someone at church had a GoFundMe and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I don't want to do the GoFundMe because they take a percentage. I was into all this. And I was just driving my commute, which was really long. I kept hearing, no, you you give a hundred dollars. I was like, no, that's my hundred, my. And when I hear that possessiveness, that's my hundred dollars. No, give a hundred dollars. So it, it was like an hour conversation with God like this, just going back. And God doesn't argue, it's just saying, Here, do that. you know. And I finally get to work and I got my checkbook out. And I wrote the $100 check and mailed it. And I just said, okay, it's done. Because I was so exasperated. It was just like, okay. And I had just started this job. I was only there like for a few months. And it was my birthday. And I just was like, I knew it was my birthday, but it wasn't like, you know, my birthdays aren't big deals. And my boss, who didn't know me that well, came in with a check for $300 saying happy birthday.
1: Wow. And so
0: I remember that. And I just always have to think that way, you know, that it's, mm-hmm. like, it's not the, an expectation, but just mm-hmm. knowing that it opens the, the flow even more for whatever mm-hmm. it may be. It's not money for money or anything like that, but it's just following that direction. And yeah. I remember, and I always felt so crazy. Like I felt crazy on that human level where we judge craziness. Like mm-hmm. I was having this conversation with God in my car and commute about a hundred dollars, but you know, that's just how it works. And I think, yeah really help people tap into that when you explain the hamster wheel of all these emotions that we have that are of a lower negative energy the fear mm-hmm. the worry the anger and when you you know say to people here here's another way here's another way and mm-hmm. you do that and I and I really resonate it with your book I really just suggest your book for anyone uh, it doesn't matter if you're on the hamster wheel or not you just get this idea that, yes, this is, this is the way of living, uh, a, a full life that you really are grateful for. And, um, it, it just, it, it was, it's just a very good book. And one one of the things I really resonated in your book as well, before we go on to the next thing I have, I want to talk about or hear you talk about is, um, how did you become a unity minister? I, I was raised in unity and I mm-hmm. really recognize the unity teachings in your book. Um, you don't say they're unity teachings, but I recognize that. Um, how did you become a unity minister? After, you know, how did that happen? Well,
1: I, officially not a unity minister, meaning going to the unity campus and graduating with their degree. I did not do that. But uh, unity is in Independence, Missouri, and I'm uh, from Kansas City, Missouri. Oh, okay. So my mom... Um, she would always have the Daily Word, which yes. was um, the Unity uh, booklet. And uh, when she was ill with cancer, she went to the Unity campus and uh, had prayer, was on their prayer list and all of that. So I am I was very familiar with Unity. And in my 20s, I started looking at... Um, they call it new age thinking, but it's really not. It's uh, old age thinking, and indigenous <laughs> thinking. It's, you know, we're all one, we're all connected. And it's the same with Ernest Holmes and the Unity teachings. They're all really teaching the same thing. So when I met Dr. Paul Leon Masters, part of University of Metaphysics, it's also in line with those kinds of um, teachings. So um, that's how I became a pastor was uh, through the university of metaphysics, which is here in Sedona, right?
0: You, yes, you're based in Sedona. Yeah. yeah. And I can't, I, I have been to uh, the unity campus two times and I just, it was beautiful
1: pretty, place. It yeah.
0: was and the ta- and the prayer tower was just so mm-hmm. moving and yeah, I, I really appreciate that. And uh, mm-hmm. I could just feel like you're, You know, how you studied unity and how it just, you know, came about. It is, it it is all new thought, but it's also just different tweaks and stuff and, you know, get into that. So now that you um, do this work where you, you work, uh, you don't
1: practice as a licensed social worker now, right? I do. Oh, do. Um, I'm uh, with a major online company that does therapy online, and so I'm licensed in Nevada, and even though I live in Arizona, I'm an online therapist, so I, I don't need to have an office. It's really interesting how therapy has changed over the past couple of years, especially with COVID, um, where a lot of therapists will have uh, will be online with com- with companies that are doing it. With their whole platform
0: wow so this is making mental health
1: care much more accessible much more accessible and it does change things like when you're texting and somebody has a therapist on their phone you're texting um it does create a different even kind of um thing it's a different thing than seeing somebody in person uh but it does make it more accessible and more affordable um so that you're not going to an office um you can schedule video appointments on your phone so it's just amazing um the technology that's available now so you do this so you do this through a private company yes you do this yes.
0: through a private company that um and but you've had 20 years or so
1: experience for for the uh, for county social work, that, right? That's right. Um, I was very blessed to be a therapist um, in uh, Clark County Family Services, which is Child Protective Services. And so when I first started out, not only was I a therapist for abused and neglected children in our shelter, but also the kids that were in foster care. And also we did the detention uh, center. So we had the kids that were in juvenile detention. And then we had kids that were in um, uh, like Mount Charleston, which is a juvenile detention center up in the mountains. So uh, we had the gambit. And one of the things that I discovered and, and taught about was that I would see a kid in the shelter abused and neglected Uh, maybe their parents were both on drugs they were neglected they were home alone Uh, they're about eight years old and i was there long enough sometimes to uh, go to um, the mental health facility and i'd be walking down the hall and they'd go oh dr carmen uh, do you remember me We first met in Childhaven and now they're in the mental health facility and then they would transition, (laughs) uh, do some criminal act and be uh, in juvenile detention. Mm -hmm. And I would see this progression. And so uh, as I was working at the county uh, and I was doing all these workshops and creating them, that's where the human hamster wheel came about, where I was seeing these um, situations that were happening with the kids Um, whether it was uh, coming from a divorced family, single parent, um, mother was ill. I would see these patterns where you could see the flow of trauma. You could see Mm. the flow that it turns into Mm. anger, which is repressed hurt. Mm. And then you could see it going into behaviors such as, you know, uh, some criminal, but it, it starts out as blame. It starts out as uh, lying, you know, all arguing, those kinds of things. And you could see this hamster wheel that this energy would create more traumatic events, uh, which would lead to more traumatic behaviors. And so that's where the human hamster wheel came about. It came about with me working with kids that had experienced trauma. Then I would work with their parents. So say the parents came in and they were uh, needed a court report a psychological court report saying, you know, their level of functioning as a parent. Okay, and I like so that. I would have them come into my office, and we would have a big whiteboard, and I would get the markers out and I would do their uh, genogram. Uh, uh, so I would do their family tree, uh, and you could see the human hamster wheel starting off with great grandparents mm-hmm. or grandparents and following through. So then it's generational trauma. Yes. And so you can see that people were on the hamster wheel and want saying that they wanted to get off, but didn't know that there you have to be a different person. Right, right. And they (laughs) and
0: so what you when you saw this and you were working with these children and going back the generations, Mm -hmm. that was when you devised the human hamster wheel, saying basically we're going on the same wheel generation after generation. And then when so while you were doing that and you were in the county is Mm -hmm. that when you started also simultaneously working on your ministerial degrees and your ministerial work
1: um i was with the county for many years before that happened but i remember um i was probably let's see that was in the 90s i would say about five years in is when i discovered dr masters church and i had been going to different churches all around las vegas and i had uh, told my friend that i was seeing at the time i said you know i want to try this other church out it's called the university of metaphysics institute had the picture of the pastor in the in the flyer or in the newspaper i said i want to i want to see that so we went there one time and we're sitting there and he, Dr. Masters had a whiteboard on stage and he was talking about frequency and who we are and all this kind of stuff and i just started crying because i was like oh my goodness this seems so familiar i know this but no one has ever told me this but i know it already it was just so familiar i just felt like i was home and the person i was with of course didn't know what i was crying about or anything so i started going to that church and um in meditation, um, you know, he's, there was a meditation before the service. I think I had been, probably been going there a year. And I'm not a big meditator, but, I, you know, I closed my eyes and I heard this voice saying, you're going to have your own church. Wow. Wow. And so that's kind of how it happened. You're going to have your own church. And I thought it was ridiculous. I mean, I told everybody it was like, you know, the voice said I was going to be a rodeo clown. <laughs> It was like, that that's way out there. That yeah. was way out there for me. So, yeah, that's kind of how I got uh, the it the idea that that is even a possibility. And then, you know, from,
0: and then when you, so that was like five or six years in your county work.
1: Yes. Uh-huh. And then
0: you did your county work. And then when you left the county then you were doing more ministerial work but also working as a mental health
1: worker um well what happened was i had developed this mo- and i had been developing the human hamster wheel in this model for a long time. So, you know, I've been doing these workshops, and I had all these papers and all of these things. And i oh, and I was also teaching a class uh, or guest speaker at a class at UNLV. Okay. And I was teaching social workers and correctional officers, the human hamster wheel. I was also trying to find a publisher. Because I wanted to, you know, create this book and put it down. You know, I had been doing all of this and creating this model and teaching it, but I didn't have a book. So I went to a few publishers. They weren't interested. So I had that on the back burner. So it was cooking away. And so then um, after getting my degree in University of Metaphysics and I was doing the Wednesday uh, service, I was still a social worker. So I would get off work. And go right to do the Wednesday service. So I was combining the two, and so um, so that's kind of how it started. I was doing both. I was working at the county, and at some point, I got the I self published the book. I was still working at the county, still um, going and doing churches, you know, events, doing workshops. So I was doing all of that at the same time. Yeah. It's,
0: it's uh, what I, I, I've, I've done the same thing. I call, I have my paycheck job and I have my passion job and I say to have both and it it, it really works. Um, So what I have a question on, when you're talking about you're sharing the hamster wheel with these correctional and probation officers and the solution, the I am solution is really Hmm. about uh, going into what the highest consciousness, what we, what yeah. unity or new thought calls the Christ consciousness, yeah, so how did you put that in secular terms when you're pre- presenting this to uh, a secular audience? How did you present that?
1: um well, that's a really good question. Um, there were correctional officers and and social workers that will hear me talk, and I think that they know. Um, that there is a presence. And I I might have said it presence or there's an energy because I I use a lot of words like energy Um, because what what kids and what everybody needs is the presence of love, gratitude. This is the five-pointed star of, of love, gratitude, compassion, acceptance, and trust. That's the higher consciousness. Uh, And that's what gets you out of the human hamster wheel. So when you're working with kids that have been abused and neglected, all they know is the fear based hamster wheel, a presence shows up in their life, whether it's a correction officer or their social worker or their parent or whoever it is shows up that has gotten off and is practicing the five pointed star. That vibration is very powerful. And it can have a meaningful effect on a person, just like Jesus had a meaningful effect on the people that he was around. It can't help but do that. That's the way the universe works. The the issue is, can we be aware enough to the point where we know we're on the hamster wheel and we choose to get off? Now, when you choose to get off, hopefully you have an example there of what that looks like.
0: Well, the example, I would say, I always believe this. I always say, you look at a person's life and with all their challenges and whatever it may be, almost always, if it seems as though they've been neglected, abandoned, whatever it may be, there's, if for them to get to a point where they have come out of that hamster wheel, where they've come out of trauma and they're living a triumphant life, it's almost always just, this is what always gets to me. It only takes one person to know to love them to know yeah. that they're one person who who says you are loved who loves them that's all it takes and many times there's many more but just to think it just takes one person to say you are worthy you are loved um you know and then there's it opens the way for others but to just think it only takes one like you said who's absolutely
1: off, off the wheel
0: so i i want to close but before we close i want
1: well help. can i add a yes. can i add a little bit to that yeah it's right. like unconditional love is you're presenting all of these behaviors that are based on trauma and fear and all of that. But if I come into your life and I see you as whole and complete, no matter how you're presenting, then when two or more are gathered in my name, it means that I'm not going to, I'm not going to validate this behavior on the human hamster wheel. I'm going to validate, who you are? You are a God being. You are the presence in flesh, and so when I do that, your vibration will have to match mine because it's stronger. Ah, oh,
0: I love that, and that's that leads me per- so perfectly into what I want to close with, which is about your love road trip with your son. Yes, and so. You know, it's like when I heard you, the second sermon I heard you, you share at Center for uh, Spiritual Living Prescott, you got up there in your beautiful presence and you said, okay, we're going to talk about racism. And I just all of a sudden went, oh, and I just like every body part just froze. I thought, oh, F, this is, you know, because I I knew people were with me and I, I just was like, I did. And you shared about this road trip and talk about seeing people in their wholeness and seeing as they are. Um, you know, that's, uh, so please share with that and share that and that's what we're going to end with. And it just was, I just love what you did. So yes, please.
1: It was a very beautiful experience. Now, most people will remember when George Floyd was murdered and, the COVID and everything was happening, it seemed like at the same time, it was very crazy making. And so I'm very aware that um, I've raised a a son that is a beautiful, beautiful black man. and, And he was trying to figure out, you know, like, what is my role? And, you know, I'm hurt, I'm angry. Why don't people love me or are people going to murder me? I mean, he was really uh, spiraling into um, a place that uh, I'm familiar with, because most uh, people of color that feel traumatized, most people that feel traumatized, they go in that hamster wheel of fear. So I could see that happening with my son. And I, I told him, I said, so, you know, we can march. We can go to a protest. We can do all of that. But I said, what if we do the opposite of what is out there? There's a lot of fear out there. We know the opposite is love. So what can we do that is the most loving thing we can do right now? And so we decided to do a road trip. And we put a sign on our car, on the car, and it said, um, love is all there is. Mm-hmm. And so when we, this is a the 3D can be full of fear. We know that. But there's another dimension, and that is the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And we know that that's love, so we can choose it every day. And so we chose to do that. We put the placard on our car we made these little cards that we wanted to put on people's windshield that we wanted to hand out at the restaurant. You know, whenever we felt the urge to do it, we would do it. And it would say things like, and my son and I made them together. My son at the time was probably 27. So we wrote out, uh, we love you, uh, stay encouraged, You know, little cards like that. And so we went on our road trip. And where do we go? We went to (laughs) Utah. Where do we not go? We went to Utah, Wyoming, Montana. We went to um, Colorado, New Mexico. We just made this huge loop, Arizona. And uh, we went to the national parks. We went to Sawtooth in Idaho, which he always wanted to go to. Um, we had the most wonderful experience of love. And also there were wildfires going on during that time. So we were going in areas that were all smoky. And we were just like, you know, this is, so this was a wonderful mission. And I tell people that uh, when you have a mental health crisis, it doesn't have to look like therapy. It can look like an adventure. Wow. It can look like fun. It can look like uh, something that you create that would be good for your mental health. And whenever you're in fear, choose the most loving thing that you can think of at the time. And it might be giving, like you hear a lot of people saying, oh, I volunteered at the homeless shelter when I felt depressed. That makes you feel better. It's the most loving thing you can do is to give. And so we gave of ourselves when fear tells you to close off.
0: And, and you purposely chose areas, I have to just say, you purposely yeah. chose areas that were white
1: in population. Yeah, you know as we were as we were going through there it kind of dawned on us but at the beginning we were just thinking let's go to the national parks and give them out but as you're going through idaho you can't help but notice (laughs) hey there aren't very many black people here or something like that so we kind of it you know how god pieces things together yes. and then you see the whole fabric and you're like wow that was brilliant um but at the beginning we weren't thinking that but as we were going through there was like oh wow look at what we're doing yeah, yeah. and so i love how god does that like when i get premonitions or intuition people say oh you knew the whole picture no i knew step by step and then when I look back on it I see this beautiful tapestry but at the time I didn't know what that was. I just knew I was being obedient. I
0: I lo- oh I love that. Oh I love that. That is is beautiful. Um wow. Yeah, that's what you did. You did that and it it was it was really really beautiful. Um Okay.
1: Wow. And- I just wanted to piggyback off of what you were saying about, um, you know, uh, when you talk about race, uh, you know, these are issues that, you know, they've been taboo and people don't want to hear about it and people have, it brings up shame and guilt and all of that kind of thing. So I, I know that that is a thing, yes. but we're living in a time where the spirit to me is saying, you know, if, if it is true that we are all one, then we have to embrace the things that we have closed off to because fear does that. It closes you off. What love does is says, oh, I'm ready. I'm ready to hear. I'm ready to um, acknowledge. I'm ready to see what I can, what my part is. All of that stuff is it's, this is the time. This is the time and it can be done in a loving way.
0: I so agree. And I really, as I continue on this path of learning, what I get to see is that we can't deny that oneness in so it, it not as, and so we have to address not the racism, the classism, the, the environment, we have to address all these things because if we don't, we're, we're really missing that opportunity for experiencing what I believe is um, a new coming together that I think is already happening and uh-huh. I think that um, part of what I'm doing what you're doing it's not in the traditional church uh-huh. I think it's uh, and yet I know that people are, are hung- hungry for more meaning for more uh, spiritual depth and so we're doing this and, and, and while we're doing this, we're addressing the very, uh, earthly matters of racism, of, uh, of our, of our global, global warming of things that are of our environment taking care. So we're learning on this new level of taking care of one another in new and a new way and taking care of our environment in a new way. Uh-huh. And, um, I think that's, um, and what you said is to be open and just say, okay, and obedient. And when you said that, I had gone through these Mary Oliver poems and I went, oh, I want this one, that one. And then this one wasn't the one I was going to choose, but it just spoke to me when you said that this is how we do our work. So thank you, Dr. Carmen. I really, um, this was an informational interview and I just learned so much and I, and you know, you've really helped me when you said that, um, what I'm doing is this conveyor belt of like the spiritual kind of like, um, a spiritual dimension of, of like spiritual offerings. And when you said that, I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, not necessarily everyone is on this conveyor belt. And I thought, oh, okay. And then I started thinking that, um, where I used to live in the in San Fernando Valley in uh, Southern California, there was a sushi restaurant and they would actually have sushi on the conveyor belt. And I thought, well, that's what I'm kind of doing. It's so just the conveyor belt of spiritual sushi. So what do you want? And, you know, and, But I think it all goes back to, you know, just really listening in and listening to, you know, what we are attuned to with spirit and with each other. So thank you so much, Dr. Carmen. And I'd love to close with this little bit of a poem from Mary Oliver. And it's, um, six recognitions of the Lord. So this is part of it. And, um, she says, um, of course i have always known you are present of course i have always known you are present in the clouds and the black oak i especially adore and the wings of birds but you are present too in the body listening to the body teaching it to live instead of all that touching with disembodied joy we do not do this easily We have lived so long in the heaven of touch and we maintain our mutability, our physicality, even as we begin to apprehend the other world. Slowly we make our appreciative response. Slowly appreciation swells to astonishment and we enter the dialogue of our lives. That is beyond all understanding or conclusion. It is mystery. It is love of God. It is obedience. So thank you so much for sharing this mystery, this dialogue.
1: Thank, this conversation. Well, thank you, Sabrina, for having me. This has been a joy. Okay. I will look forward to more.
0: Have a wonderful day. Thank you.
1: You too. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for joining us in this conversation. I hope you join us for many more conversations as we listen up, listen in together. And please go to listenuplistenin.com. That's L-I-S-T-E-N-U-P-L-I-S-T-E-N-I-N.com for more information about upcoming guests. Thank you.